Wherever you're at this morning, just lift a, lift everything to you to him. Lift your burdens to him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We're running after you, Lord. We're running after you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. 
Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your fire, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your mercy, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We cry out to you this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Oh, refine us, Father. Refine us in the fire, Lord. Hallelujah. Remove what is not of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Don't let my love grow 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you know my heart. You know my deeds, Lord. I'm calling out, light the fire again. You see how these worship songs just touch our hearts. Every word that we sing, we can live those songs. Lord, you know my heart. You know my deeds. And I'm calling out, light the fire. Lord, I, I'm hungry, Father. Lord, I'm feeling a little, just like a little, like I haven't had a flame or nothing, Lord. So, Lord, right now, Lord, light the fire in my heart right now. Help me to be just alive again in you, Lord. Help me to return to you, Father. To get me out of the darkness and see you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Renew us, Lord. Renew, fan the flame. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father. Declares your majesty. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You and I, we are blessed, church. Just as he has chose us, he has chosen you in him before the foundation of the world. I'll tell you, when we get into the great difficulties that we go through, the trials, the anguish of heart, Sometimes we need to be reminded of the eternal, of the eternal glory of God, that there is something far beyond what we experience here that is much greater that God has prepared for us. He chose us before the foundation of this world. And what did he choose us for? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Here we're singing these songs and this particular song about holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We need a picture of the holiness of God, his majesty, his glory, his purity. And he wants to share that with you and I, that you would be holy as well. I don't know if you've ever experienced in a relationship, perhaps as a child you did, when there's a breaking of a relationship and there's a turning of the face away from a, a favor that's been removed. It's a horrible feeling. But when the face is turned back towards you and the favor has been restored and there's an invitation, God is inviting us through his son, Jesus Christ. He's provided redemption for you and I. And all of the sin and all of the unrighteousness, all of the uncleanness, he has dealt with once and for all through the cross of Jesus Christ. He chose you to be holy without blame before him in love. He predestined you and I to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. We're going to prepare our hearts for communion this morning here. If you did not receive communion, Bob's back there. If you could raise your hand and let him know if you would like some, if you already have it. I would like to invite you to take this cup. The, the bread is on top. There's a cellophane wrapper like saran wrap on top. Just undo the very topmost layer. And I invite you to open it so that way you can to get the little wafer that represents the body of Christ. Thank you, men, so much. And as we do, I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke this bread, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
I'm so thankful for that reminder that Jesus took this bread the night that he was betrayed, the night of incredible heartache, the night when he was about ready to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane to say that my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. He realized that he was going to take your sin and my sin upon himself and the face of his father would turn from him for the very first time in all of eternity. He prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, would you let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In the midst of that, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And he left us a lasting memorial that we would hold this piece of bread as a very simple reminder. It doesn't matter how far technology goes, how far scientific advancements goes. We have something that is much greater that as we hold this bread, we're reminded of the great love that Jesus has for you and I. This is his body broken for you and I that we might be made whole. As we hold on to this bread, I want to encourage you to hold on in faith and to say, Jesus, just as many reached in to touch the hem of your garment, Lord, we hold on to this bread. Lord, your word says that by your stripes we are and we were healed. Lord, I pray for not only physical healing, but spiritual, emotional, mental. Lord, there are many in this sanctuary, Lord, they need the touch of God in their bodies. And Lord, right now we reach out, Lord, on behalf of the body of Christ, of those who are not able to be here. Lord, I think of Millie, shoemate. She's been in the hospital for many weeks. God, we pray for healing for Millie right now. Touch her by the grace of God. Lord, we think of Evelyn McKinney. Lord, she's suffering with shingles right now. We just pray for that pain to leave that body. Touch Evelyn by the grace of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, for any others who are present or not able to be here, perhaps they're watching. Lord, as we hold on to this bread, I pray for the healing virtue of Jesus Christ to touch your people and bring healing where only you can bring healing in Jesus' name. Let's partake of this bread together, church. If you open up this cup with the next layer, this prepared to receive this cup of communion. After the supper, Jesus took the cup and said, he passed it to his disciples. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Lord, we thank you for the cup of this covenant. Lord, that you have purchased our salvation. Lord, that your shed blood, it not only forgives it washes, it cleanses, it renews, it restores, it transforms us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that the work that you begin, you are faithful to complete. Lord, we receive this cup. We receive its benefits. We receive the invitation. Lord, we receive the transformation that you have purchased. Lord, right now, we just ask right now that as we partake of this cup, Lord, that you would cause your face to shine upon your children in Jesus' name. Let's partake of this cup together, church. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we praise you and we worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the great love that you have for us, Lord. Lord, there's other requests that we have right now. Lord, I pray for we as a body. We pray for Jenny Carley, Lord. A worship leader up here. Lord, she lost a sister this past Sunday. Lord, unexpectedly, Lord, complications from that aneurysm. But God, we pray 
that you would reach in and touch that family as well, that you would bring healing to the brokenhearted. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to go and do a work in that family that only you can do in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Margot Short, who's at uh, the rehab center at Pacific Care. Lord, touch Margot, bless Margot. Lord, may she not feel forgotten, especially by you nor by your people. But Lord, may she sense the fellowship of your spirit, we pray. Lord, I don't know where Shirley England is, but Lord, I pray that you would touch Shirley. I know she's had struggles off and on. Lord, bless Shirley and bless your family, I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Good to be together in the house of the Lord. Just want to welcome you here at Neighborhood Church. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Just a few announcements that I want to bring to your attention here and also welcome Connie McCleary. Sitting there in the back row, Connie, we were praying for you last week. It's always good to see Connie. We love you, Connie. We're going to have a water baptism service next Sunday morning, September 11th. Uh, 10.30. If you would like to be water baptized, many of you have already signed up, but if you would like to, you can either call myself, call Kitty, she'll get you in touch with me. We're going to have a short class at 9.30 a.m. in that corner classroom over there where the exit sign is. If you could come and bring a change of clothes, bring a towel to dry off, whatever you need to get ready afterwards, and uh, we're going to have a baptism service, so please make sure that you sign up. Let us know. also want to give a great big thank you. Is Buddy here? Anybody seen Buddy here this morning? Donna, have you seen Buddy? Well, Buddy and Charlotte Shoemate and Debbie Moran and Joyce Sims and Wendy Hunt and the Friendship House ladies, thank you for providing incredible meals for the work party that was here this past week. They provided sandwiches and desserts and all sorts of delicious food, and we just want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for preparing that food. It was an incredible blessing uh, just to be able to come and the workers could just continue right after that. And thank you to Kitty uh, for helping to oversee that and Bonnie for the cleanup and setting it up. And it was just a huge blessing. Also, we want to say a big thank you to Larry, who doesn't want to be mentioned back there, but Larry helped Pastor Tom. Uh, They pressure washed this church about eight, nine days ago. And uh, a lot of scraping, scraping, scraping of the trim. And uh, Orville... Thank you, Orville. Everybody say, hello, Orville. (laughs) Orville also helped. He had a backpack blower on last week. We still got a little bit more to do, but he spent about four hours last Saturday with that backpack blower because we had paint chips (laughs) everywhere. It was just an absolute mess. Thank you, Orville, for all that you did. And also, Pastor Tom and and Don's not here, but Pastor Tom, when you see him, extend a great big thanks to him for all the help that he gave us on this building. And a a special Bruce and Jenny, thank you. Do you like the the platform design on the back, on the back wall? (laughs) Super appreciate it. It's been a long work in progress, and... um, They came and did that, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday and got it nailed up. And uh, super appreciate you helping to make God's house look beautiful. And our last huge thank you is to Doug and Bonnie Knox. Doug and Bonnie, if... (laughs) He is going to share here in just a few moments. I don't remember. I'm going to... Kitty can help me maybe. Not now, but... 
you know your little phone call log that you have when you write down messages, but I want to find out when the first time is that he called, because it would have been two or three years ago. Um, but when he called, he reached out. He's going to share here in just a few moments for a, a portion of the service, a good portion. And um, the roof was leaking horribly. The sheetrock had stains all over it. We had leaks in our roof, not only in here, but in the fellowship hall in different areas. Well, the paint was the paint job. That was the least of my concerns at that particular moment. But when he came, him and Bonnie, they came at a really low point as far as in my life uh, in a, for a variety of reasons. But my heart was just aching for the church facility and for the body as well. And they came and brought incredible encouragement yes. and hope. I would say that he's him and Bonnie are like Barnabas's. I don't know if Barnabas had a wife or a sister, but Barnabas and Barnabas's wife encouragers but he came and he got on that roof with me and we walked around that roof and we was like oh Jesus oh Jesus we didn't see how possibly it could happen I will extend a huge thank you to the body of Christ who calls Central Park Neighborhood Church home because you through your faithful tithes and offerings if it wasn't for that as well and chiefly that we could not take care of God's church and be a witness in the community. When we drive by the church now, I, I came by the parking lot on Friday night, and I just sat in the parking lot. I was like, wow, it looks like a brand new building. <laughs> it does. It's just beautiful, and the new tram, and I drove down the highway, see the new roof up there, and it is a wonderful witness to the community. It'd be a horrible witness just to let the roof fall in, to leave the paint all falling off, because it shows them, well, do they, do they even care about God's house? No. God's people care about God's house. Thank you to Terry and Laura for helping to mow so much. And uh, where is James Kalihi? James Kalihi, he probably mowed for 10, 15, 20 years here. He'd worry me half to life. He was like on the edge of that highway, and he'd be weeding in there. I was like, oh, James, don't fall off the edge. <laughs> but we're a body. We're a family. And without the body of Christ, we could not do what we do here. But I'm going to invite Doug, and perhaps, I don't know if Bonnie's going to come with you, and they're going to share a message and just share about their ministry. They do this, by the way, from church to church to church. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for being Barnabases, and even more so than that for the body of Christ. But what you have done for Central Park Neighborhood Church is immensely appreciated, immensely. It has blessed our socks off. We will have an opportunity after the service as we give our tithes and offerings. If you would like to bless them uh, personally or however so, please do so. I want them to know that they are loved and appreciated. So let's welcome Doug and Bonnie as they come. Where's that microphone, Jenny? Oh, there. Here it is. We love you both. Thank you so much for all that you do. Where's that microphone? And I'm going to go help Leroy with that slideshow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor. It's been a privilege to serve at this church. And um, we've been here working on every bit of your facility. And it's just a, a real blessing to us. And we thank you because you guys are so kind. Yeah, and there's so many people that come by and they smile and they encourage. And it just melts your heart when you, when you come here to work. So I just wanted to say thank you. And my husband and I, we have um, children. We have four children. And we met with one of our children yesterday and his four children and his wife. And so it was a blessing that we could be close enough to see our, our um, oldest son's family. Thank you. 
One thing she forgot to tell you, we got a call while we were here. It was from our youngest daughter. Gave us a call, and I go, oh, no, what's going on? She said, get mom on the phone. And I go, something must be wrong. Mom comes on the phone, and she says, grandma, you're going to be a grandma again. So we found out that number 16 is now coming. Uh, we take the Bible very literally, you know, go and populate. And uh, we're spreading the Noxes across the country. So it's a good, fun stuff. Isn't that a handsome cup? Oh, it disappeared. There we go. Hallelujah. This was taken at our in Florida. We got to go and we were specially honored in Florida for the National Convention. And we're called Church Mobilization. We help build, remodel, repair. We help do evangelism. We also help uh, churches in any direction they need by church planting and church developing. So Church Mobilization is a big, huge organization now. How much room do I have? Praise God. Hallelujah. I like moving my sermons right down to you. Is that okay? I'd like to share a little bit with you, and I'm going to share these fairly quick. Uh, go ahead, next slide. This was a church over in Eatonville. 20 years they did food bank in their basement. 20 years of pallets being drug across the floor. 20 years of community coming in. They called us and said, we need help. Uh, we keep blowing circuits. So we get there and we take a look and saw all 13 refrigerator freezers that were plugged in. And we began to talk to the brand new pastor and said, well, what's your passion? What has God put on your heart? And he says, I don't know. And I said, when you know, call me and we'll come back and help that come together. Either the food bank or whatever God's put on your heart. Two months later, he calls us up and says, Doug, God put on my heart to reach the youth of the community. And he says, the whole church is on board. So we began and came down and started doing all the classrooms, redoing the floor, redoing the kitchen, repainted the sanctuary, and turned it into a youth center downstairs. And the day we began construction was the day that two blocks up the street, another food bank opened up. Isn't that a great God thing? Next one. This is a parsonage. And the pastor, every time it rained, the upstairs windows, he would go through six to eight towels of water running through these windows. They were brand new, installed about three years earlier. And they called them back because of the leaks, and they said, we don't do flashing. We just install the windows. So we began to have to rip off the whole side of the building because of the water running down and rebuild it. And the pastor up there said, you know what, it's so neat to watch the rain hit the window and not worrying about being on the inside. And that was in Oak Harbor. Next one. This church, the entrance was a deck. The deck 
church was on the highway. And as you drive by the church, you can see how it looks here on the left. It was just the siding falling off. We began to scrape, to clean, to go for it. And you can see here at the end how it's turned out. It looks brand new. We redid the deck, redid the whole entrance of the church. Next slide. This is an interesting one. This is the basement of a church. It's over by Leavenworth. They had a flood. For two years, they didn't do anything about it. And he called us up and said, we're losing our people in the church. And I said, okay, why? He says, well, the mold smells so strong in the basement, it's now upstairs. And people are leaving because they can't stand the smell. So we go in there and completely gut the whole basement. That's my wife in the top right hand in the white shirt. And if you notice, the stains are above her head. We had to completely seal all the brick, redo it. And the basement now is like what you see on the bottom slide. And now the pastor has tables all the way there. He believes in discipleship. So he has uh, men that come twice a week, and they set up there, and he's discipling them. Next slide. This church received a grant with no stipulations on it. And they decided they wanted a good, nice food bank for their community. Top picture on the left is at 7 a.m. We just started putting the boards together. By noon, we had the walls up, and by 5 o'clock at night, we had the, the rafters up. One day, construction. Remember they talked about barn raising? This church now serves the whole community out of there, and they can preach the love of Jesus, and they have no stipulations on that food bank. Next slide. We do roofs. You see that little ant on the right one on the bottom? That's my wife. And that's my foot there on the top right. And this church, we put in 7,200 screws. Metal roofs are forever. The screws aren't. And the screws end up leaking. So we have to remove the old screw and put a new one in. 7,200 pounds. Next slide. This is a church over in Idaho. As you can see on the top left, they had a sound booth that was in the room. The top right removed the sound booth that was in the entryway. The paneling was ugly, dark. Maybe a couple lights were all there were in the whole entrance of the church. When they came in, they had no money to hardly do anything. So we took the paneling and we put sheetrock mud on it and textured it and that's what you see here at the bottom completed. That's still the paneling there. This church was ready to close. It was the last church in the Silver Valley left. And we came in to help a fill-in pastor because he said nobody was coming to church. And as we kept going, go ahead, next slide. The outside was horrible. So this is the new siding going up. The church exploded after that. They brought in a new pastor. 
He called me up just this Easter and says, Doug, guess what? And I go, what? He says, we had 78 people in church. And he said, praise God, but he says, I know next week is coming. How many of you know that the week after Easter is usually the lowest attendance? The next Sunday, he called me up again, and he says, Doug, guess what? And I go, what? We had 82. The next Sunday, he called me up, and he said, I go, what? I said, you're growing again? And he says, yes, we had 87. And he had three people there that proclaimed they're atheists. Atheists, proclaiming to be atheists, walking into the church. God is moving, amen? Next slide. That's the name of the church after it was completed. Isn't that an ingenious name? Next slide. This is Kendrick, Idaho. It's just up from Lewiston. And we were called in to help because the roof leaked. And I thank you, you called us before it was that bad. The whole roofs collapsed. Everything was rotted. Somebody in the community came in and donated a new metal roof. This was the upstairs of the church where all the classrooms for the kids are. We began to start tearing it apart and the mold, the rot that had occurred. Next slide. There's a completed. We ended up doing seven classrooms, the halls, and redo the whole upstairs because they couldn't reach the community. The saddest part about this church is when we got there, we had no idea until we drove up and people were angry. So the pastor just left. And there was four people left in the sanctuary. I got to fill in preach to four people. And we began to start teaching them that God loves them and God wants this church to be saved and that God cared. And all of a sudden some donations came in that we could start getting this project going. Next slide. The outside of the building wasn't in much better shape. And after we did this, we broke it up into several phases like we did here. And after we did this, uh, they came a time where all of a sudden they brought in another pastor to fill in. And so Bonnie and I said, you know what? This is a great time. We went down to Lewiston. And we went to the church there, and they support us. It's been a great friend. And I called them up, and I says, we're going to come in, but I want to sneak in the back, and I just want to worship with you. He said, okay. We walk in, and he made the whole congregation stand and recognize us. We started the service, and we had an anointing that I haven't seen in years and years. And all of a sudden, people started weeping, and people started crying out to God. And also we went into a quiet time and people stood up and started confessing their sins. And after this went a while, all of a sudden the pastor got up and he looks at the congregation and he says, God's in charge. I, I, 
don't even know what's going to happen next. He said, worship team, let's start worshiping, let's start praising. And he went back and sat down, and we started worshiping and praising God. And all of a sudden, after about 15 minutes, the pastor gets back up and tears just running down his face. And he says, God spoke to me. He looks out there and he says, Doug, how much would it take to fix the siding on that building? Uh, I didn't know. So I said, probably a thousand bucks would help. You know, just reaching for the stars. He goes, no, tell me. To complete the building, how much? And I said, probably around 3000 He looks and he looks and he goes like this and he goes, okay, we got four out of five board members here. I now call us in the session. All in favor of giving Kendrick $3,000, say aye. The whole church stood up. Had some more testimonies. And all of a sudden, one lady stood up. She was in her late 80s. And she says, I feel in my heart that God tells me to give an extra $400 personally. You see, I was baptized in that church 70 years ago. We walked out of that church with about 3500 and some bucks. And we took up to the church this check made out to them and I went to those four people and said do you know what God loves you God wants to take care of you God is for you and this church today a new pastor was appointed has children and now the church is a strong 40-50 people every Sunday. And the fifth Sunday of every month, he does children's takeover service. And the whole stage turns into puppets. It is the greatest thing. Next slide. That lady on the left ended up with full-blown stage four cancer just after this broadcast. And here she's still on the roof working and she's still going through treatment today, but she says, as soon as I'm done with the last treatment here, the first of the year, I'm coming back out here for this. That was the second floor. The wood you see down below is the first floor. Next slide. That's what the building looks like now. We had to replace several hundred feet of board. And that cedar that they had was not available anymore. It was rough-cut lumber. It was an inch and an eighth thick, down to a quarter thick, all in six and a half inches. And somebody said, I know a guy that just bought a mill. Maybe he could help. He comes down, and I said, could you do this? And I cut out a piece and gave it to him, and he says, I don't know. Give me a few days to see what I can do. Three days later, he pulls up with 200 lineal feet of cedar cut for us. And I said, I'm so sorry to, to inform you. This is fantastic, but I need at least a couple hundred more lineal feet. And he says, okay. He leaves. He comes back the next day with 200 more board feet. 
And I go, cedar? How in the world did you get me cedar? He says, you know, I took down two cedar trees last year, and they've been sitting drying in my pile, and I didn't know what I was going to use them for. So I said, you know, for all your goodness, how much do we owe you? Just then, this big, burly guy looks at me, and he puts his hand to his chin, looks down, and I go, how am I going to pay this bill that I felt obligated to offer, you know? And he looks, and he thinks. Finally, it seemed like eternity, and he finally said, well, probably about 20 bucks for the gas I used. I handed him 40 bucks and said, get a hamburger on me. It was probably about $5,000 worth of lumber that he gave to the church. Next slide. I believe that's it. I wanted to share a ser uh, scriptures with you, but I got to put out a disclaimer. This has nothing to do or ever did with COVID. This sermon is about the fulfillment of prophecy. This sermon is about God's authority and power. Not about the shots, not about the mass, not about COVID, okay? So don't take me wrong. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2. And I think all of you know the birth of Jesus. At that time, the Roman Empire Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Next slide. At that time, the Roman Empire Augustus decreed decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. That word caught my attention. Decree. What, what does decree mean? What is, its, what is it tied to? Where is it going from there? Next slide. I looked up the word mandate and I came up with the word decreed. Isn't that interesting? If we put this in our modern language, at that time the Roman Empire Augustus mandated that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Takes on a whole different thing when we put it in our day, today's language, doesn't it? The definition of mandate is a command to do something. You see, slide 20, it says at that time the Roman Empire Augustus decreed 
or mandate that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Next slide. Wow! <laughs> Say that word with me. Wow! It, it blew my socks off. God used a mandate to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem in order to fulfill prophecy. Think of this. Joseph and Mary would never have gone to Bethlehem. They were happy at home. They had family. They had relatives. They had a house that Joseph was building. They had everything to themselves. Why would they go to Bethlehem? But yet, what does the scripture tell us? The king, the Messiah, shall be born in Bethlehem. So God had to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. And how did he do it? With a mandate. Isn't that interesting? He used a mandate. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. Wow. Think of this. God used a mandate. And a lot of times we think of the word mandate as something that's to harm us or to keep us in a position or put us somewhere we don't want to be. But yet God used it to get Joseph and Mary to where he wanted them to be. Sometimes we think that it might have been used to intended to harm, to hurt, to disrupt maybe what God has doing. But in reality, he's bringing you to a place to be used for his glory. You see, God is working in our lives. God delays things. He closes doors. You ever thought about it, men, while you're waiting in the car for your wife to finally come out to go to church, that that delay could have saved you from an accident? Like most of you men aren't even smiling. Proverbs 20, 24 says, The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand anything along the way? Woo! We get excited. Are you guys Assembly of God? We're Pentecostal, aren't we? We can make noise. You can talk back to me. This is exciting times. This is so... I want to jump. The Lord directs our steps. So why do we have to try to understand everything? Why do we have to try to figure out why we're here? Why we had to go this path? Why not just say, God, I know you're directing my steps. You see, faith is believing without seeing. Amen? 
I truly, truly believe with my whole heart that God directs our steps. Let's go to a, a New Testament guy, Paul. He says that he had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn was, but we do know that it was very painful to him. I always believed the thorn was his knowledge of killing Christians before he got saved. But it could have been an illness. It could have been some kind of affliction. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But his answer was, my, my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. I am most happy then to be proud of my weakness in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. What? I am most happy then to be proud of my weakness? What is Paul saying here? It doesn't really make sense to you and I, does it? That he's happy, he's joyful to be in troubles. Let's go on, verse 10. He goes on and says, I am content. I'm content with weakness. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecution. I'm content with the difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, I am strong. Oh, come on. You know what? I have to go to the doctor. And I go to the doctor and I walk in and he says, Doug, guess what? You're sick. You got bad troubles, buddy. What do I say to that? No, thank you. Amen. I do not allow that curse on me. You know what I say? I'm weak. You know why? When does God show up? When we're weak. When does God show up? We're, we're in the pit. When does God show up? When things go bad. We have a God that loves to prove he is God. And well, through our sickness, our troubles, our financial difficulties, that's where God comes in and says, I'm here. Let me prove I'm God. What happens when you go to the gas station and you try to put gas in your car and all of a sudden your 20 bucks didn't even get it to move the needle? You know what? That's the time you turn around and say, God, I know, I know without a doubt that you direct my steps. I know without a doubt you guide me. And I know without a doubt that you're going to show your greatest power by multiplying this fuel, by multiplying my wallet, by multiplying the difficulties I'm in to get your glory. 
You know, every day God is moving, directing, leading us, using us, and even using non-believers to fulfill God's prophecy. Who was the dude that put the mandate out? Caesar Augustus. Who was the dude that wanted to kill every young boy? Herod, which is under Caesar Augustus. The authorities mandated Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem. Then at the same time, the authorities mandated all boys be killed. But God used it to get them to Bethlehem, to get them to Egypt. And from Egypt, where did they end up at? Nazareth. I want to read a commentary to you. And it's probably one of the best commentaries I've ever read. It's by Clark. And it's about what Paul wrote. He says, Therefore I take pleasure. I not only endure them patiently, but am pleased when they occur. You hear that? I not only endure them patiently, but I am pleased when they occur. For I do it for Christ's sake, on his account. For on his account I suffer. For when I am weak, most oppressed with trials and afflictions, then I am strong. Causing me to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The scriptures today and the songs fit so well. I am content. I am content. I started looking at life a little bit differently when I start thinking about God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. As we read the scriptures, we start finding out that God didn't form the universes. He spoke them into existence. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. Universe after universe after universe, planet after planet after planet, God spoke, and it was. That God looked at the earth and spoke, and it was. He spoke light into existence. He spoke the moon into existence. But then when it comes to man, he failed. You and I are hand-formed by God. Now, I've got to take this a little bit further because this is, whew, we're going to get excited. Guess what God has done? God who created the heavens, God who created the earth, God who spoke everything existence, looked down and says, Orville, I choose you. 
he looked at you and says, I choose you. Woo! Come on. Get excited, people. This God that created everything went down and says, I want you. You're my son. I choose you. Out of millions of people everywhere around here, God looks down and says, I choose you. Every one of you are here because God chose you and God directed your path and God placed you here. Come on. You're not here by chance. You're not here because you chose to come. You're here because God said, you're mine, I want you here and I want to use you you here. Come on. It's a mandate. God is directing your steps. God is moving you to get you to this place for his glory. You're in this church because God wants you here. You're here because God wants to use you. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what roads you have taken. God has looked down at you and seen you in that road and says, I want you now. All we can say is, oh, thank you, Lord. We are here. You are here. And you know what your reason for being here is? To jump on the vision that God has given your leader. And I heard your leader speak last week, and it just, it brought tears to our eyes. It was a passionate cry out and saying, let's prepare this ground for the souls God's bringing. Let's clear these rooms so that we can fill them with children. Let's clear these rooms so that we can have revival. Your job is to get onto that bandwagon, to get on that vision, to join in and to see what God's going to do. You might not like sitting on a lawnmower for 10 hours mowing, but if God's called you, it's the most wonderful time in the world. You might not like working in the kitchen, but if God calls you, this is the most blessed place to be. We went to a church, and after service, there was this elderly lady going through the garbage. And for some reason, I just felt compassion to her. And I went up and said, how can I help you? She said, I don't need help. God has put it on my heart. See, they live in Seattle. In Seattle, you have a garbage can for everything. Clean wrappers, dirty wrappers. This is food. This is recyclable. This is, I mean, everything. And she says, God put it on my heart that we would be compliant 
with the garbage in our community. You see, I'm not going through the garbage for food. I'm not going through the garbage for any other reason but to separate and make sure everything's in its right bin. God has told me to do so, and it is my job. Woo! Come on, people. God has mandated you to be here for such a time as this. You're on the ground floor of a revival. Something mighty, something exciting to happen. And when difficulties come, that's when you actually get to say, Hallelujah! You know why? Because Pete will show up. Not me, oh my. I can't go through another hardship. Come on, we all go through hardships. But how are you taking the perspective? Because my God loves to prove that he is God. My God loves to show up. My God loves to split open the sea. My God loves to show up in a pillar of fire by day, no, sorry, by night, and a cloud by day. My God wants to help me not get burnt or not get too cold. My God wants to help me live each day so that I can give him the glory. We serve a mighty God, and I feel so privileged i so privileged that he chose me. You know, I didn't choose him. In my darkest hour, laying in bed with over 200 stitches on my face from an auto accident, the gospel was brought to me. And I accepted Jesus as my Lord. That was six, at 16 years old. God gave me the oomph to get through my teens and I've never left the same. That's God. It's in control of each of your lives. stage of life. My heart's been recently, the past few months especially, for the elderly that you would know that you're not forgotten and that God still has a purpose for you. 